0: Hi there and welcome along to this very special isolation episode of the Gersnet podcast, the totally free ranger show made by the fans for the fans. Remember, you can get involved in the show by leaving us your comments and questions right there on the YouTube stream. Uh, we'll make sure we keep an eye on that throughout the show and get to as many questions as we can. Um, it's been quite an incredible few days, so I'm sure someone will have something to say. The pod is also going to be available as always to download from Monday morning. That's on iTunes, Google Play, Acast, Castbox, Stitcher, anywhere else you can think of. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. Maybe leave us a wee comment. Remember, JazzNet, we're not just a podcast. We also have loads of articles, match previews, and a lively discussion forum over at jazznet.co.uk. So please do take a look. Tonight on the show, we're going to be casting an eye over perhaps the most extraordinary uh, events that we've seen in Scottish football, probably since 2012 in that whole debacle. Um, what's happened in the last couple of days is, is really indescribable, but we're going to do our best. And to tackle the topic of mass corruption that we've seen, we've pulled together two of the most corrupt guests we could get our hands on. Uh, first up, we've got Colin Armstrong. Colin, before we get started, um, I need to know how are you managing to cope this isolation period without having any games of fives to tweet about?
1: Hey, I'm not going to lie, it's been pretty tough. I think it's been tough for for everyone. It's just a really, it's just a surreal situation, and it? it's just so bizarre. And th- th- that we find ourselves eh, in, in the sort of situation that we're in, and I sometimes have to give myself a shake every now and again to say, is this actually happened? Uh, but I'm missing the fives, I must admit, especially my waistline. Uh, missing eyebrows as well, missing the football and, and, and all that comes with that. Uh, but it, I suppose it is what it is and we, we just need to knuckle down and get through it. But it's it's surreal. It really is. It's, it's a bizarre uh, period, I must admit.
0: Have you, uh, have you got any tips that you can share with the listeners of, of how you can get through this lockdown? <laughs>
1: Well, oh, I went out for a walk yesterday, so I would probably suggest don't go along along the Fourth and Clyde Canal eh, around about the Hall Glen area because it's full of heads smoking the herbal and drinking Bucky. So I would probably say avoid that. Eh, other than that, just get you know do the best you can, read, listen to music, watch something, get sit out your back garden if you've got a garden. Eh, loads of good stuff on. I've noticed a lot of obviously there's a lot of retrospective games on the now games for the past. The the two thousand and three game was on tonight against Unfermland. I've been watching a lot of the older English games as well. Aye, just do what you can and stay off the drink. That's that doesn't help. Maybe a couple at the weekend, but no no through the week.
0: No, that's the thing is that's the thing. You you sort of find as you're getting to the end of the working day, you're like there's not much else left to do now, like crack open a beer. Um, fair enough. Nope. Also with us we have the the very insightful David Wren. Uh, now David, being honest, can you think of anywhere more beautiful than Dundee to spend a quarantine?
2: Well, obviously I'm not originally from Dundee. Um so it's been nice to spend it in somewhere that's maybe not as familiar as command but you know, two two lovely areas of the of the country um that I've that I've spent most of my life in. So uh, no, but there's there's point there's a there's a waterfront here, so that's quite nice. You can go down there a, a wee walk. Um, but is now, it
1: not also the sunniest city in Scotland, David? Yeah, is it? <laughs> I think you'll find statistically it gets more sun than any other city in Scotland.
2: But no, I mean it's not been something too bad. I've been cooped up working from home, so it's the, the time I do get to spend out out of my house. Um, and try and make the most of it. but no I, I echo what Colin said. It's been it's been a surreal thing for me. It's it's been surreal how how um quickly it's become the new normal, you know. Uh, and how, how easy it has, you know, we've got used to it. Um I have spent some of my time watching Sunderland Until I die, I finished that in a few days. And it just shows you that even at the height of Ranger's banter years there's still a club out there that can that can do even even funnier things than us. So um, that was an insightful watch but yeah no no it's been a, it's been a strange period
0: right before we get on to the the bam pottery of the last 48 hours David someone asked me a question the other day right if Netflix approached you if you were the chief executive Rangers and Netflix approached you and said right we're going to do a, a fly on the wall documentary series we'll call it the blue sea of iBrooks, but we're putting cameras in the dressing room the boardroom everything for the next 12 months would you would you want a show like that about your club
2: Think I would want creative control over it. Um, and I'd want to, you know, dictate the narrative a wee bit. The Sunderland, the first series of the Sunderland one. Um, I don't know if, if you guys have seen it, but Martin Bain, an Oscar worthy performance uh, from Martin Bain and that. Um and that was that was crazy. The second series that I found was a bit more slightly more normal, but I mean certainly brings out the inadequacies which I think will probably be felt at a lot of clubs you know certainly in my time covering sport and um, as a journalist you know I, I saw a lot of things in football and it was nothing I mean nothing untoward but just certain things that you see that you can't quite believe how amateur it is um, and I think to, to invite uh, to invite cameras and give them so much access to your higher you know your executives at the club think you have to have a bit of you know a bit of sense over what conversations you're shown there because I mean in that latest series um, something that actually struck a call to me was, was the negotiations for Will Grigg. And if anyone's seen it, basically Jack Ross tells Stuart Donald, who's the owner, don't go over one point two five million, he's not worth it. Don't spend any more than that. And then they sign him for three and a half million. Um and I think if Rangers had had done a, a similar documentary over the past few years, uh, you know, there'd have been a few incidents like that that would have, would have really upset us as Rangers fans. So, um, no, I think, I think if, if I was to agree to, it, I think, you would only really need, it needs to be more of the Amazon prime sort of documentary. It's a bit more polished. Um, certainly the, the Sunderland one shows a lot of, a lot of folks and,
0: and how to run a football club. No, it is it's magic. Um, Focal thing, we're on a commission here, punting it, but it is a, a, a cracking show and, and you will be able to get through it in about two or three days. Right, we, we might as well kind of dive headfirst into this because I think this is just the most unbelievable sort of turn of events that have been taking place over the last few days in Scottish football. Um, David, obviously, I know as, as a journalist, you've got your finger on the pulse and everything. So just wondering if you could try and kind of take us through a wee bit of a timeline as to what's happened with the, the SPFL proposal and the vote that they tried to do to, you know, call the league as it is now, um, which should have taken place, well, they expected to have the deadline for the vote on Friday. Obviously, that's kind of dragged out now. Can you try and summarise really what's, what's happened there over the past few days?
2: You absolutely stuck me I there trying to summarise this, but um, no, certainly uh, it's been a very confusing past few days. And as Colin mentioned off air, you know, it's quite, it's quite hard to to keep on top of absolutely everything that's happening. But certainly on Friday, the, there was a suggestion very early on um, that was leaking all over the place, it seemed like, especially on Twitter, that um, Inverness, uh, who Scott Gardner was obviously the chief executive, had rejected the proposal. So that was the sort of first thing that came out. Um, and they'd been, the, they'd been the club who had basically um, stopped the, the proposal from going through. It then came to light later on that day that Dundee had been the had been the ones that, that had, had the cast and vote. Then it came out that they hadn't actually sent sort of submitted a vote, or certainly they'd sent a vote in and then told SPFL to not count it in the in the process. We're now in a situation where I don't think anyone really knows what's happened because there's been talk of WhatsApp groups and emails and all sorts between the between the various clubs. It's very, very messy. Rangers have obviously waded in into the argument quite a bit. And um, they had their own resolutions that were were basically ignored by the SPFL. It now is turned into a bit of a bun fight between, you know, many clubs and the SPFL. Uh, and I mean I'm sorry to the listeners because that has really not been a great way of describing it. But it's genuinely been one of the strangest episodes, um, certainly I mean Scottish football was known for many strange episodes but this, uh, this has been one of the most confusing, and one of the most pot- potentially scandalous, uh, depending on which way this goes, um, but it's all down to you know what Rangers, what evidence Rangers have because obviously the, the, the suggestion was that a whistleblower had passed information to suggest that there'd been some form of wrongdoing by the SPFL. So I think now it's a case of where, where we go from here and, and, and when do we find out what, what the evidence is, whether, whether, you know, the SPFL are going to be forced to, you know, some executives will be forced to resign. I, I really don't know. And, and obviously I think the crux of the matter is we're still waiting on Dundee's vote. We're still waiting on in a, in a, in a finalisation of this proposal and this process. Which we haven't arrived at, and that—that's really the crux of the matter. We don't know if this resolution has gone through, and you know, there's a lot of talk about lockdowns and stuff, and how long they're going to go on for. But this—this this could potentially go on for another 25 days if, if the, the SPFL, um, you know, process deadline is to be is to be taken seriously. So yeah, it's a very, very strange uh, situation, and. I realise that's probably the worst possible um, explanation of it, but genuinely I've, I, I've certainly been left perplexed by the, by the full thing over the past few days.
0: Well, listen, it's, it's absolutely baffling. And you're right to say it's, it's potentially scandalous. And I'll kind of just put a, a wide arching disclaimer on this now that we're not going to be accusing anyone of anything. We're not accusing anyone of any wrongdoing at all. Um, there are allegations being made of you know, dishonest behaviour, of impropriety, um, rangers alleging to have evidence of that none of which has been released until they get confirmation of an independent investigation so we're kind of not gonna make any suggestion or, or, or many any allegations to anyone of any wrongdoing we're just going to kind of try and discuss the facts and, and and the quite remarkable circumstances that are happening if we think uh, take it right back to the start back to wednesday um when the sfa uh, the spfl sorry kind of Announce this resolution this proposal that they've put together what they're saying is we want to call the leagues in scotland as they are now but we'll start with leagues two league one and the championship we'll get to the premiership or the spfl premiership later but we'll take the bottom three tiers at the moment we want to call them as they are so champions and relegations um and that way we can distribute funds to all of the clubs and then we'll get to the premiership and we'll decide what to do with that Um, but obviously the kind of inclination being, well, we'll do the same thing, we'll make Celtic champions, we'll relegate hearts, Um, and and that way we can release prize money and all sorts to the clubs that might be struggling financially. So Colin, on the face of it, what do you make of the proposal from the SPFL?
1: Uh, I I think it's, again, treading lightly and and not wanting to throw accusations about, but it certainly looks... uh, suspicious It's probably the best way of putting it. I mean, when, when all this happened, I think we had a pod in the last week. We, we covered the the Leverkusen game, and this was sort of being muted at, the, sorry, muted at the time that, you know, we were looking at a potential lockdown and how the league was going to go and all that kind of a thing. And I, I think I said at the time, well, you know, you, you can't dish out prizes for, for a race that's not been completed. Uh, I, I highlighted Liverpool as a, an example of a club you would really Sympathise for in that situation because they are so close to it, but that's a fact of the matter. You know, you kinda be dishing out prizes, in my humble opinion, if the race isn't complete. Uh, there doesn't seem to be anything in the current provisions to, to to cover this, so they seem to be making it up as they go. I would I would suggest I'm not saying that's the case, and I'm not making any accusations, but it seems to me that there is one club that's that's that that, that, that carries more weight in the SPFL than any other and we all know who that is and it seems to me that they are the ones driving this agenda to get everything called as it is and and dish out the money based on them being declared champions and Hearts being relegated and all that kind of thing and I, I genuinely don't think that's fair I, 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 I would feel for Hearts in that situation uh, I mean I know they've been poor all season but you know there's still seven, eight games to go if the league was still going they've still got plenty of time to play themselves out it Uh, I I mean, we are 13 points behind Celtic, but we've got a game in hand, and we've got two games against them. So if he'd won that game that that, that was postponed, the Celtic game at Ibrox, they would have taken it down to 10. We win the the game in hand against St. Johnston, that takes it down to seven. You know, all of a sudden, you've you've virtually half that deficit. So for them to say that they want to be declared champions seems fanciful in my opinion, I've always had the opinion since all this started, I've kind of lost I, I can't keep tabs on it anymore I just know it feels like there's a lot of skullduggery going on, that's how it feels to me and it, it, it seems to me that it's coming from from one club in particular, however it seems to me that given that, uh, there's no football uh, you know, clubs have no revenue, they've still got outgoings there's a couple of things happened that I, I can't say that I agree with that, that a lot of football clubs in terms of putting staff on government schemes and all the rest of it, but that's another thing. You have to, to look at the bigger picture at the moment and say clubs don't have any money coming in. And those clubs especially that don't have any TV revenue that depend almost totally on what comes through the gates, well, they, they, they've got nothing coming through the gates at the moment. So to me, the, the main focus for the SPFL and for the SFA and for all the governing bodies that are looking at the situation, is how do they protect the clubs? To me, dishing out prizes is secondary. I think we need to make sure that we come out of this with the same amount of clubs that we went into it with. And to me, the easiest way to do that is to distribute the money evenly and dish out things like European places based on last year's placings and no relegation and extend the leads and try and get as many clubs up as possible. Because the ones that do get through this will be gasping for air by the time football kicks off again. So we need to get as many in a higher position as possible so they can access higher revenues and all that. That should be the primary focus right now. That's with our view You know, we should just be in a, a a mode of we need to get every club through this. But it seems to be we need to get Celtic nine in a row and then we'll worry about everything else. That seems to be what is coming from the SPFL from me at the moment. It looks to me like Rangers have caught wind of something. We've all seen the, the WhatsApp group stuff and all the rest of it and the accusations here, there about Dundee, about Inverness and all that kind of thing. For Rangers to go on record with it yesterday or two days ago when, the, you know, when they started making statements, you would have to assume that they feel they're on concrete ground to, to come out swinging like that. So it looks to me like something's going on and it, it just, well, you know me, Ross, I'm not overly enamoured with modern football. I think money dictates it too much. And this is another dirty example of that. It just feels that rather than focusing on the game, what's best for the game, what's best for the clubs, how do we get them all through this so that we still have a game at the end of it all and we still have a league and and all the clubs have got through it successfully, it's all about making the richest club even richer and making sure that they get access to the Champions League, making sure they get the prize money, making sure they get nine in a row. And it just feels all a bit seedy and dirty, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's the difficult thing, is that this, this proposal to be made from the SPFL kind of co- um, shrouded in this well-intentioned message of you have to vote for this because this is how we can give you the money in order to survive. So that seems that you're probably your lower league clubs in Scotland saying we know that you're struggling, we know that you live hand to mouth, we know that you need money, we have this money, but our statutes say you can only have the money upon conclusion of the season. So therefore, you have to vote to end the season now or you won't get the money. There is no other way. And I, I hope you've both listened, to, or as many people as possible who are listening to this show, have listened to the um, Inverness Cali Thistle's Chief Exec Scott Gardner was on End over the weekend. And what he was saying was absolutely astonishing was that the SPFL have told clubs, if you do not vote for this proposal, you cannot get the funds that are due to you upon completion of the season. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I shudder saying this, but Tom English and Michael Stewart made some excellent points on Sportsound yesterday, which were that this is a member's organization, the SPFL, and if the members want access to the funds earlier, the members can vote through that kind of change to the statute and get their access to the funds. And that's exactly what Rangers, as then supported by clubs like Hearts, have tried to do. And they proposed this resolution to the, um, the SPFL, saying, let's change the statute, Let's distribute funds, whether that's distributing evenly, distributing the funds based on um, lowest expected league position. Let's distribute funds to the club now and give ourselves some more time to think about how we wrap up the season, whether that's delaying, whether that's scrapping next year and and having one longer league. Let's just give ourselves more time to think about it. So, David, what do you make then of of the Rangers proposal and, and how all that's been handled? Again, it doesn't
2: seem to have been handled all that well Rangers obviously suggesting that that it wasn't even taken seriously at SPFL level um the concerning thing for me as Colin pointed out there we you know Rangers and, and certainly other some other teams in the Premiership will we'll probably be okay you know in this in this process because you know there maybe as there may be our funds there and it might may, you know, maybe get through it with other money. we've got in the coffers or whatever. Teams in the teams in the World Leagues, this this you know is a is a it's a perilous situation and, and it's it's worrying for them. Uh because as as Colin says, you know, they, they rely so much on receipts at the gates, you know, to keep them going. And and I think any Thought Rangers handled have handled this very well. And I think certainly in, in recent years, you know. When you see a club statement uh, coming out, sometimes, you know, they come out at the wrong times, they 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 use the wrong wording, they're very confusing, very not to the point, and and sort of become quite easy to to attack because of that. And and it's been quite disappointing over the past few years the way we've sort of handled things like this. But I think certainly on this occasion, everything I've seen from the club has been has been well, well put out, well handled, well, well communicated with. The fans and, and has been updated enough to, to show where, where we stand um you know disappointed that the club hasn't been been taken seriously with a resolution that, that would have pleased probably everyone um in the short term and then you can look at you can look at who wins what and if it comes to that and the thing I you know I just don't understand why why it's become so complicated um and it's turned into what is now is now making Scottish football, you know, a laughing stock once again, um, and I, I don't think it had to be like this. I think it could have been resolved in a in a much much better way. Um, and yeah, disappointing that the Rangers were treated in that way, considering you know their stature in, in the game, in uh, the amount of fans we've got, and how big a club we are that we could just be, you know, ignored. If if that is true, you know, the way the way. It's been reported, but again, there's a, there's a lot more to come in this story. I think it's I think we've, we've merely scratched the surface over the weekend. I think next week you're going to see a lot more um, coming out on this, and I think it's going to come to a head at some point next week. Uh, and, and and as I say, I don't think it, it had to be other.
0: Now, I'd, I'd agree with you, David. That Rangers do seem to be handling themselves quite well, and they're certainly. A acting as if they're very sure-footed you know we've got evidence they've obviously not said what that evidence is but they're using that as kind of leverage to get some kind of investigation into the the activity that's happening at the SPFL at the moment do you think that this I I, I say I agree that it's it's been handled quite well the statements are reading well and, and everything's been timed quite nicely what kind of an impact do you think that the new communications chief is is having um you know, in, in terms of maybe a departure from the trainer style to, to the new style that we're seeing this week.
2: I think uh, I think Colin and I had had touched on that um, before on, on the last podcast we did, and the importance of you know decent communication from the club. And I think you know the new the new communications officer we've got, clearly has a lot of experience, and I think that's come through, in, and, and, and you know the statements that have been put out. I just think they're very to the point um, and they're not too long, <laughs> which seems to be the issue. Um, and, and, you know, when you put out a 2,000-word statement, there's a lot of things hidden in these in the statements sometimes. And that's not just Rangers, that's that's any company. Um, I think what we've seen this week has been, been honest communication with the supporters and other clubs. Um, it's been to the point and, and laid out exactly, you know, from a Rangers point of view, where the club stands. The second statement on Friday, um, you know, was very strongly worded, and you know, and, and normally you wouldn't you wouldn't go with that sort of approach if if you weren't sure of what you what you had, because legally it's it can be you know certainly the wording that was used and some of the insinuations that were made you wouldn't normally make them if you didn't have evidence to back it up. So, yeah, I've been impressed. I mean, but at the same time, we don't know what's going on. You know, behind the, the scenes, uh, in terms of who is putting together the statements uh, and who's, you know, in charge of that, uh, you know, releasing the, the content. Um, and I'm sure Donald Park had a, had a, a part in it as well. Um, and yeah, I think you know, it'd be a team effort from the board to to get that to get that um, statement out. So. But the, yeah, I mean, I think any any change in communication is always good, and I think we've 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 obviously chosen who well the boards chosen who they who they felt was the was the best man for the job, and, and if that is his, his influence there, then yeah, it's it's an exciting you know appointment for us because it, the communication has been very clear, and I think for the fans it has been very easy to follow, and really that's that's the key thing behind uh, a decent decent comms guy.
0: Now, Colin, if we go back to the kind of the, the timeline and the facts of the case at hand here, Rangers come up with this alternative proposal to the SPFL plan, suggesting that we could just um, change the statute, distribute funds to, to the clubs that need it, and then take more time to consider how to proceed with the 2019 2020 ski- uh, season. I'm not sure if you've read the statement that's been put out this evening by Anne Budge, chairwoman of Hearts. But she's put out an an absolutely incredible statement basically confirming that Rangers submitted that proposal to the SPFL um, sometime after 3 pm in the afternoon, which was then kind of confirmed and and reaffirmed and and supported by Hartz, who emailed the SPFL to basically say, look, we we agree with this proposal, copied the proposal, and they confirmed that they got um, a message of, of receipt, a confirmation receipt from the SPFL. Now the SPFL say that on the Friday that couldn't be put to the members because it was submitted to the SPFL only, at, I believe, 10.58pm from Rangers and that there was a legal kind of technicality that was wrong with the statement. Hearts are now saying that that legal technicality that was wrong with it was uh, one word. The word should have been suggested or proposed, but instead it was demanded and um, So they're basically saying that the SPFL had this for hours and there was one word and that's why they didn't put it to the members to vote and they could only vote on the SPFL proposal. How do you kind of make sense of that? It seems like Rangers have put forward a sensible plan, which has been deliberately ignored, deliberately delayed, and and it's as if they were desperate to stop clubs from voting on on this alternative proposal.
1: Well, it all comes down to power-based. It's almost like a power struggle just now, Ross. And I think it's fair to say that for the last 10 to 12 years that Celtic have certainly held, you know, the, the the power in the corridors of, you know, Scottish football governing bodies and all that kind of a thing. You know, it seems to me that they would look for a full stop, not being the right place to, to veto this and just blow it out of the water. I think you've got to look at the the involvement of Rod McKenzie and his connection with Celtic. And it, it, it's just, it all goes back to 2012. And I think Celtic were, were sort of flexing their muscle before then. Uh, I think they showed that in 2008 with the, you know, the, the UEFA Cup fiasco. You know, I think the chairman at that time, John Reid, was pretty aggressive when he spoke about Rangers at that particular time. What happened to Rangers after that, you know, and going down the divisions, I think that gave Celtic an opportunity to fill some, pretty important posts and, and important jobs within the, the Scottish football governing body with Celtic-minded people. Uh, I think you only have to look at the at Claire Witzerface, the, the compliance officer. You know, all these things, just strategically placing people in the right, in the right jobs. And, and the result is that the, the accusation always was, and it was probably a fair accusation, that the old firm... Uh, sort of boss Scottish football, and we bossed it to suit ourselves to make sure that Rangers and Celtic got a lion's share of the money. Seems to me that Celtic before 2012, I think they have made. I think Peter Law and John Reid made a, a sort of a strategic decision, sort of mid 2000s, 2005, 2006, to bend this whole working together thing. Uh, I, they don't use the phrase the old firm now, but that they'd stopped using that prior to 2012. You know, the Celtic have made a a big sort of power grab in the last sort of 10, 15 years. A big statement in terms of we don't want anything to do with Rangers. It's not about us working in uh, tandem anymore to make sure that we get the money and we've got the power. It's about putting Rangers at the equation and it's just all about Celtic. And when you look back over the years, there there was always a connection. I mean, I know we hate one another, but like, I mean, back in the 80s, the two clubs both had umbrose kits They were both sponsored by CR Smith. You know, there's been times when we were both sponsored by tenants. You know, there there was a lot of times, NTL as well, you know, there was a lot of times sponsors came in and wanted the two. And I think Peter Law and uh, John Reid wanted to change that. I think they felt Celtic were bigger, had a bigger global appeal with the whole Irish thing and, and went for it. And what happened in 2012 gave them a little bit more leeway. And I think they've... They've basically tied it up. They've, they've, they've tied the whole the whole kit and caboodle up. It's it's, it's very very difficult uh, for Rangers to do anything now. I mean, we spoke about the PR stuff. I mean, Tainor didn't help himself. But I mean, it didn't really matter what kind of statements Rangers come out with. You've always got the same people coming back and just deriding them because Celtic also have people tied up in the media. You know, they've got the whole thing sewn up. Uh, So that's what made it so surprising yesterday when Michael Stewart, Tom English and David Proven now have all came out and broken rank and sort of said, you know, there's some serious shenanigans going on here. So it feels to me that there's a power struggle going on now. Celtic are going to do everything they can to maintain the power that they have within the corridors of power, so to speak. So, aye. So if we put in a proposal that's... Going to threaten that and get clubs on our side, then they're going to say, "Well, you know, you didn't dot the i, you didn't cross the T. am sorry, you'll need to resubmit. That's how they're going to play it. Uh, the, the the statements that have come out from Rangers, have, have, I think, have been quite encouraging. I think I think David's right. They've, uh, they've they've hit the nail on the head. They've, they've been succinct and to the point. And it's the first time in a long a long time that I've seen the media. St- actually side with us if you know what I mean normally in these kind of things we just get derided your Spears, Tom English or the rest of them they just absolutely laugh at us and that's what's made it so difficult for anyone in the PR side of the club to get a message across that's why you needed someone who was absolutely on the money and, and could do it well it feels that this is the first time in a long long time I've felt people are behind us in this that other clubs are behind us in this so yeah, it feels like a wee bit of a power struggle. So Celtic are going to do whatever they can to maintain that pull. So, yeah, you didn't put the you didn't put the correct word in the correct box. So we're going to send it back to you and you need to resubmit it. So that's what it feels like to me. Uh, it's it's a power struggle, and we'll see how it. goes. As David says, it looks like it will it will come ahead in the next couple of weeks. Now you mentioned
0: uh, Rod McKenzie there. Just for anyone who's listening, who, who's maybe not aware, can you explain who he is and what his role? is at the SPFL, and, and maybe how that, again, without accusing anything, um, might have some bearing on, on, on what's happening now, given his employment history.
1: Well, Rod McKenzie, to my understanding anyway, is a legal advisor of the SPFL, and he's got a very, very strong relationship with Celtic. I think he comes from Harper McLeod, who also represents Celtic. Uh, so, yeah, he's that's what I mean. Celtic have got... A few people in high positions of power at, at, at the SFA, at SPFL, and all these kind of things. And Rod McKenzie, I mean, during the whole 2012 shenanigans, he was he was he was a big hitter of then. Uh, so yeah, and he's you know he's he's coming from a Celtic perspective. He is not going to give anything up. Uh, and yeah, you kind of don't I, don't I don't like saying this, but. They've done it well, Celtic. You know what I mean? They make what David Murray had done before look fairly amateur. We had Celtic on the floor for the best part of 15 years. We are firmly on their throats. And we let them get back up. You know, you kind of feel that we're going to have to fight our way back up. You know what I mean? Peter Law seems to be very shrewd and knows what to do. Lord McKenzie, another one, seems to be knowing what he's doing. And it's... It's very, very difficult to break that power structure. Uh, so I don't think they're going to let, they're not going to take their foot off our throats. We're going to have to fight our way back up. So, but I think it'll be difficult because we've not got a compliant media. I know people have sort of sided with us recently, but we've still not really got a compliant media. We've not got a friendly media. And we're still sort of off that image of the banter years, but maybe we were really a symbolic club at that time, you know, a lot of the things we did do didn't help our case, you know we were just all over the shop and that's what makes this week a wee bit more refreshing, you know, I, I mean I had my doubts about the new PR guy, I, I felt his background and all that kind of stuff could, could have got in the way and could have caused us a problem, I still think that could be the case, however what he's, what he's done so far has been impressive and you would have to argue that Rangers feel for the first time in a long time and a, in a sort of position of power uh, and they've got a chance to sort of just have a wee sort of batter away and as I said it's a power struggle and we might just be able to get something away from that power base that Celtic have got. Uh, I think Doncaster's position is fairly untenable at the, at the moment and I, I would say Rod is in that boat as well. If Rangers could manage to get it day two out of the SPFL then that's off the part. That's, that's a big victory, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely, it's, it, it's certainly a big victory, but one of the questions that I was chatting to a pal earlier was, it, it, is that enough, you know, of all that comes to it? And by the way, we're only about halfway through the saga here of, of what's all gone on, and we'll carry on sort of talking through the timeline the last few days, but given everything that's going on, the suggestions of corruption, the allegations of undue influence of, you know, Peter Lowell sitting behind this whole thing, ensuring that Celtic are awarded, um, you know, a, a title that, as Alan says here, has been referred to as COVID-9 in a row. Um, is it enough simply to have Neil, Neil Doncaster and, and Rob McKenzie out of the SPFL, out of the organising structure of the league? I mean, to me, that seems like if, if there are some shenanigans and, and some unsavoury behaviours going on behind the scenes here to wield undue influence and maybe come to an unjust result, that removing two people at the figure at the top of the, the the league structure is is surely the minimum requirement
1: yeah i would say it is the minimum requirement it, the, the, the thing is it's it's proven this and i, I think peter law is a, a top operator when it comes to this kind of thing so i think it'll be very very difficult for Rangers or any club to you know get the breadcrumbs leading back to peter law and celtic i think there'll always be a way that they'll manage to get out of that That's just my opinion. I hope I'm wrong. However, I I think if you get rid of Neil Neil Doncaster and especially Rod McKenzie, you know, obviously it depends who comes in after that. Then we've made a significant step forward because we've not had a say at at, at the top table for a while. You know, Rangers have been viewed, as as David said earlier on, it's ridiculous that a club with with their support base and size and and influence is just sort of derided, really. You know what I mean? And, and that needs to change. I mean, I know people moaned before that it was a two-horse race, and there maybe needs to be a change in that as well. You know, there maybe needs to be a change in the whole power structure within Scottish football, and, and it's not just about the whole fun. But the fact that it's all about one team at the moment is... it's, it's just It just reeks, really. It just stinks to high heavens. And we need to challenge it. I mean, this, this whole, you know, you're talking there about COVID-9 in a row and all the rest of it. I was reading today, I saw something today that UEFA have taken uh, the advice of some top scientist who is, is, is involved in the, the current pandemic, and he's basically said, you need to just write your season off. It's not happening. So it looks like UEFA are starting to lean towards the null and void situation, just saying to all the leagues, look, just declare them null and void. There's nothing we can do. So you have to ask, why, why is there a, a, an attempt here to, to tie your league up and, and get Celtic made champions? Has it got anything to do with the fact that Peter Lowell maybe got wind of that because he's in a, a fairly high position uh, within UEFA? Who knows? But certainly from someone looking outside, you would have to ask, well, if UEFA are looking down that road, you would have to say that the clubs would be aware of that. And someone who that's privy to, to that information maybe sooner who's on that board is Peter Long. So if he's getting, you know, the wind down the road saying, well, we're going to declare the league's none of them void, he says to Rod McKenzie, right, we need to tie all this up, try and get the clubs to vote this through, they make us champions, we get hearts. You know, that's, I mean, I'm not saying that's what's happening, but that's where we are. That's how it looks from the outside. And you've got top journalists, inverted commas, like Tom English, Michael Stewart, and Davey Proven saying the same thing. So regardless of what Peter Law or Celtic or Celtic supporters, anybody else want to say, oh, nothing's going on, they need to appreciate that's how it looks. It looks as dodgy as a £3 note, and we need to get to the bottom. of it.
0: Absolutely need to get to the bottom of it. And, and you just have a feeling that Rangers will be integral in getting to the bottom of it, with what we're calling for this independent investigation, um, claiming that they have evidence that they surely wouldn't be claiming that I've... Pray that they wouldn't be claiming that unless they had something concrete and and sufficiently damning for the SPFL. Um, David, there's a, there's a question or a kind of a comment here from JMCC2K10 uh, on YouTube, basically saying don't let up, Rangers. We'll never get a chance like this again. Basically, people saying on the YouTube stream here we've we've got our foot on their throats. What would you do now if you if you're in Rangers' position, say you hold holding this evidence, you've released a few statements. What what would your next move be?
2: Um well I think the they've set this all out quite well, you know, led by Douglas Park, I should say, rather than Donald, as I said earlier. But um I think he's made a I mean he's made an, an exceptional start to to in his role as chairman. I think I saw someone making a comment about that the other day on Twitter and he's sort of certainly led the charge um as chairman on this. Um and I think it, the ball's very much in the SPFL's court. I think at the moment, in terms of where they go next, and I think Rangers will probably keep their cards close to their chest. The thing, as you said earlier, you know they're, they're awaiting some form of response from the SPFL rather than you know having to make any moves themselves. And I think, from our point of view, Rangers sort of have weighed into this in a very responsible way, um, and it's certainly been for the seems to be for the greater good of the the rest of the the football pyramid, so I think it's all going to come down to what we see come out in the wash in the next couple of days, Um, and I think that'll involve finding out a bit more of what actually happened um, with the votes on Friday, what went wrong there, what's going to happen next, when we can expect an actual, you know, resolution to all this. but I certainly think from the board, which obviously led by by Park, I don't know if the if the fact that he's now in charge is strengthening that you know look on 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 the game as a whole, because obviously for Dave King, who I was a, a big fan of, but it was difficult probably for him because he wasn't in the country and he wasn't seeing it firsthand all the time. He was seeing it from afar and probably being told about it, well, um, and you know being being and I suppose in the bubble. So I don't know if we're benefiting from the fact that the, the chairman at the moment is you know, quite close to it. Uh, and he's certainly led the board well in the open in spell of his time. As chairman, I think, from our point of view, I mean, we're not... We don't really have to answer to anyone at the moment. So I think the, the bigger news is going to come from, from where the SPFL go next. And certainly they've, they've dug themselves into a bit of a hole here. And, and I think Obviously, Rangers want answers, but I don't think we're the only ones. And probably we won't be first in the queue, because remember, there's clubs there, you know, Hearts, Hearts especially, who are facing, you know, spending next season in the the championship if this resolution passes. So that's, well, sorry, they could, I suppose, if it comes to a stage where we've got to end the premiership as well. So there's a lot of teams with a lot to lose. so I don't, think, I don't think we'll be the only people that will be looking for answers for the SPFL. And we'll be looking at our next move. I think there'll be a lot of other clubs that are. Um, so as I say, I think over the next couple of days, we, we need answers from the SPFL. We need to know exactly what's happened because there's a lot coming out in the press. And that's the worst thing about this. We're getting so much information from so so many different areas, whether it's the media, whether it's the clubs or the SPFL. Um and that's the that's that's the that's the the problem. You know, there's, there's a lot of information coming from a lot of avenues, and and as of yet, we're we're really probably waiting a lot of answers um, regarding a lot of the things that have come out, i.e. the, the Dundee uh, situation there, and and you know what actually went on with the, the vote. When we can expect the the resolution to come to an end? Uh, so I think there's a lot more to come. In, in the next couple of days, but from Angel's point of view, I think it's a matter of sitting tight and and waiting to see to see what what the next uh, next thing to come out is. Because as we've seen in the past couple of days, it's moving very fast, and um, it's it's a sad situation really. That again, I'm echoing what I said earlier, but you know that it's had to come to this, and it's yet another farce. And I think this time, you've got to see it. We've got to see some. Some form of repercussions for the people that have been involved in this this episode because it's it's been very embarrassing for the Scottish football.
0: See, there's a few things to unpack there, David. The the point that I've kind of been hinting at a couple of times tonight is is that point about repercussions, because I I'm, I'm like Colin and 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 like yourself again, not accusing anyone of anything, but there's strong suggestions here that Peter Lawwell and the Celtic Football Club bar sat behind this whole thing, so. If we talk about the leaked WhatsApp chats that we've all read now, the suggestion that once it became clear that the SPFL resolution would fail, Doncaster would have been on the phone to Peter Lawwell sometime after 5pm on Friday talking about the fact that the resolution would fail, begs the question, why? Why would he speak to Lawwell? So, you know, that suggests that Law sat behind this, desperate for the resolution to pass, therefore Celtic are to clear champions. Now, obviously, it seems like this is all crumbling underneath their feet. What frustrates me is that it seems like, you know, as Colin rightly says, it seems like the logical outcome of this is that a few people at the SPFL, hopefully Neil Doncaster perhaps, um, might lose their positions. Um, People might be left with egg on their face. And yet at the end of it, realistically, Celtic probably awarded their ninth title in a row. That's the frustrating bit for me. And that's the bit that that slightly leaves a sick taste in my mouth. But the the other point that you mentioned, David, and kind of the final piece of the the emerging jigsaw that we need to know take a look at is the question around dundee football clubs involvement in this whole thing and obviously having one eye on on your situation david and and your employment in dundee i don't want to kind of burn any bridges for you so i'll address this to colin colin we we get to the stage on friday whereby clubs are asked to submit their votes yes or no do you want to end the season as current standings and, and and you know take the money from there um That was, they were given until Friday 5pm, which was against their own statutes because they should have 28 days, but we'll we'll kind of skirt over that. They were given until Friday 5pm to do so. They were told if you don't vote yes to this, then you won't get any money because there's no other way, as been confirmed by Scott Gardner of Inverness and Anne Budge this evening in her statement from Hart. Um, So they've been given until Friday 5pm to do this. A certain number of teams have to vote yes, and in the Championship, you need eight teams voting yes in order for the motion to carry. Now, we know that Inverness and Partick Thistle both vote no. Partick Thistle were in the relegation position, so it kind of makes sense that they would want to try and fulfil some fixtures and see if they can um, climb out of the relegation position or get the season scrapped as null and void. Inverness, who are sat in second Um, their chairman or their chief executive was very passionate on Sports Sound yesterday saying that he didn't feel right voting to relegate other clubs he didn't feel right about the hardship that that would place upon them, the redundancies etc so we know that those two clubs voted no now Dundee were quite clear in terms of the WhatsApp chats that have been released now that they also voted no, their club secretary sort of showed that they are confirmed we have voted no by saying DFC vote submitted and he you know, countless times in that chat said that their position was no. For some reason, that vote is not received at the SPFL. But my understanding is that Dundee weren't aware that their vote wasn't received by the SPFL. But the SPFL have also said Dundee then contacted them to say, please do not count us as having voted. So Dundee didn't know that their vote wasn't received, but then perhaps wanted to cancel their vote or change their vote in some way but now have kind of gone to ground and and gone quiet. Obviously, this is the kind of clinching vote that would have wrapped up the season and then put the pressure on the Premier League to wrap up their season as well. How do you unpack this this whole shitstorm of what's happening here?
1: Comes back to the power base thing, I think, Ross. You know, it's... uh, As we said earlier on in the show, there are clubs desperate for money. Uh, You know, as you said, the statute provided 28 days to vote. I don't think clubs would want that. They need the money, you know, ASAP. You know, clubs don't have any revenue, so they need it. And people who have, you know, clubs that are sitting there in a comfortable position financially know this. So they're in a position to put undue pressure on certain clubs. And that's what seems like has happened in the case of Dundee. You know, it seems like they have voted one way and then something's happened and they're claiming that the vote wasn't received and then it was all if you've got our vote don't count it and we're seeing all these I mean obviously we don't know how accurate they are but we're seeing all these screen grabs of whatsapp groups where it seems to be implied that Dundee are in a stronger position now that they have the casting vote and that they're going to use that in their favour or well, who are they going to use it in their favour too, I mean who are they talking about I'm, I'm assuming they're talking about Peter Lowell here, you know, that they're going to approach Celtic and say well you know, what are you going to give us, that. that's how it looks again, not making any accusations but the people that are in control of Scottish football and who are behind us need to realise that that's how it looks it looks as, as dodgy as can be, so the whole Dundee thing, again I, I, was, I was sitting out yesterday reading my book in my back garden I actually couldn't keep up with the stuff that was coming up. You were getting different stuff from different journalists, you know, in in the in the same timeline. I've got one journalist saying, uh, "Inverness hold the, the the vote." The next one saying, "Dundee hold the vote." Or oh, Dundee have voted, Dundee haven't voted. Inverness have voted, or oh, maybe they haven't. It was just it, it was impossible to, to to keep on top of, uh, and you kind of wonder if that's deliberate. You know what I mean? Just to, to just totally muddy the waters. Uh, so that those people behind this whole thing can, can get the outcome that they want. One thing I will say, I, I think you're right, I think eventually Celtic will get awarded the title. I think that feels inevitable to me. But I also think at the end of it all, they won't have quite as much power within the Scottish game that they once had. I think that that power base will have been corroded a little bit. But seriously, at the end of the day, if they are awarded that title, is, is there anyone funny I mean, the whole nine in a row thing hasn't really bothered me. Because they 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 haven't beat us nine years in a row. You know we were out of the league for four years, so you know it was like Joe Fraser being the heavyweight champion in the world when Muhammad Ali eh, was was in the jail for avoiding the draft. You know he, nine in a row was 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 about Rangers and Celtic. If you take Rangers or Celtic out of the equation, then it, right, they've won nine titles in a row, but four or five of them are devalued, and this one is tainted. You know I'm not one that. Goes down the tainted titles route. They don't. They could only beat who was in front of them, and they've done that. But there's no doubt about it that the the, the eight titles that they've won up to this point, at least four or five of them are tainted. Sorry, devalued. But this one, if they get this one, and this is as tainted as can be. You know, it's and it, it just every now and again, I, I have to remind myself that we're in the middle of a sort of global crisis. You know what I mean? It, it just feels like the wrong thing to be bickering about at this particular time. Uh, so, yeah, it's bizarre. I, I think Celtic will get it. I think you're right, they'll get the title, but I, th- I think it will come at a cost. I think lose a wee bit, uh, the power base that they hold. Uh, as for Bundy, uh, I think that shows you that we have people in this game who are just prepared to front anything. Out. You know, you just literally could not mark and I'm next with a blowtorch, it's it's just a case of we'll do whatever it takes to get the result that we want, and that 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 and that's how it looks. I keep on coming back to this. I keep repeating myself. But that's how it looks. These people making these decisions need to realise that this looks horrific, horrific.
0: No, it, it does, and I, I guess a question that follows then, and if if we're thinking about the practical facts of the case, why have Dundee gone to ground here, Colin? You know, there there's suggestions from you know people in dundee in, in these leaked whatsapps that it puts them in a stronger negotiating position now to my mind that means hang on we're going to hold off on our vote because maybe the deal can be sweetened in some way and someone can come to us and offer us something to vote in a certain way but then, what do they mean by stronger negotiating position and, and and why are they not you know running to the media to get some kind of clarity out there
1: well that, again that whole, that whole points to this sort of power base and the sort of shady shenanigans, I took it, and again, you know, we have to be clear that we don't know if if these green grabs are are accurate, but it certainly seems to be implied that that they are, that they're they're authentic, you know, uh, this person that they're talking about that they have a stronger negotiating position with, it would have to be the the club that want this through the most, and and that's Celtic, so that's how it looks make no way, no bones about it. That this is how it looks. All this stuff looks dodgy. It looks seedy. It's you know I've had all this stuff before about uh, you know Rangers have, have sort of lived and sort of perpetual shame since the EBT thing. You know I always thought the EBT thing was uh, kind of made up to something that it wasn't really. You know I think most clubs operate some form of uh, scheme that reduces their their, their their tax liability, so they can pump that into to, to buying players and stuff like that. But whereas it was it was cheating on an industrial scale and all oh, that kind of thing. In my opinion, this looks worse. This looks way worse than that. It looks like someone is is controlling pretty much everything and telling people what to do and when to do it to, to benefit their club. That's how it looks. And no one can deny that. No one, you know, they will deny it. You know, they'll go through the CEFCO thing and they'll laugh, and there'll be certain people in the media. And there has been, you know, Tam McManus has been coming out saying, you know, Peter Law has got nothing to do with it. Uh, I've not seen what Graham Spears has said recently, but I'm sure he'll he'll toe the party line. But the important thing is here the two or three of brought rank, you know, your Tom English, Michael Stewart, you know, they never ever come down uh, in the side of Rangers. So that tells you that even they're appalled by what's happening. Even they can see that this looks Really bad. Uh and, and it does it looks horrifically bad. So aye, that that's that's what it looks like to me. Dundee and, th- and those exchanges on that WhatsApp chat. Who they're negotiating with, well, reading between the lines to me, it's Peter Long Cellding. You see, I
0: I'm inclined to agree and it's it's sickening really. I mean we've kind of all alluded to the fact and, and a couple of comments on, on YouTube as well this evening, um, a really, really good comment from Dwayne, uh, that's just come in basically agreeing with us that the backdrop of all of this is, is people dying in their thousands, like right? Tens of thousands in the UK now, hundreds of thousands across the world. Um, and yet you have this incredible drive, this push, let's call the Scottish season as it is now. Let's give them the title. Let's move on. Like, No, take a breath, look around and and see what's happening. And it's, can you imagine celebrating that title? Imagine they are handed nine in a row. Can you imagine the shame that any normal, decent person would feel for having exercised this, what seems to be blackmail verging on fraud and corruption in order to get your hands on another tainted title, whilst people are getting sick and people are dying and people are losing loved ones? It's, it's shameful and it's disgusting and it's wrong and it's exactly what we've come to expect from Scottish football. Um, listen I think it, it's probably right that I call it there before I say something that I regret and I accuse someone of something that I shouldn't do um, and it's not worth the hassle for that so I think I'm going to have to wrap things up. Listen I'd like to say a massive thank you to, to both Colin and David for uh, trying to help me make sense of, of the past few days and uh, all we can do really is is sit tight and, and as you say let's let's see what happens over the coming week because this is developing very very quickly.
1: Ross, before before we go, can I can I give a quick shout out to someone? I would uh, give a quick shout out to my my wife, Shona. She's a nurse, uh, so she's working you know twelve hour shifts at the moment at Fourth Valley Hospital. You know walking in essentially walking into a burning, a burning building every day. You know because you know what's in there. There's there's positive cases. So a good, big shout out to her. She's feeling it now and to all of them, all the nurses and all the doctors that are doing a grand job at the moment because, as I said at the start of the show, it feels a slightly surreal situation, eh, but people like that just have to do what they always do and and more more so than ever put themselves in danger.
0: No, absolutely. I think every single one of us associated with, with the podcast, everyone who's listening now, just so unbelievably grateful for for what these people who are routinely undervalued and underpaid are, are willingly sacrificing for, for the, the rest of us and it's it's remarkable it's your doctors it's your nurses your paramedics but it's also your shopkeepers your cleaners people that are going out and putting themselves in dangerous situations your your postmen your bin men making sure that the world keeps turning and that's all nice for us with office jobs and we can work from home it's um it's a remarkable time, so uh, a humble gratitude to, to, to everyone that's, that's still out carrying on and, and, and making sure that everyone can stay safe. Um, so thank you very, very much to anyone who's listening who is a key worker, who's in the NHS, who's in any of the emergency services. It's, it's, it's hugely appreciated. Um, really, that's it, that's it from us. So please do make sure you head over to the website, www.jersnet.co.uk, catch up on all the news, the opinions, the friendly discussion forum is still going despite the lack of football action. And believe you me, there's going to be plenty to be said over the next few days. All that's left for me to say this evening, though, is a massive, massive thank you for listening. Keep yourself safe and have a great week.